Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Here we are, friends. Mark Schofield here with you for our first Melancholy and the Infinite Sadness installment of The Sco Show. Just got done watching the New England Patriots on Sunday Night Football go down to Baltimore and get blown out. I know it's a 17-point loss, 37-20 to to the Baltimore Ravens, but the game really wasn't that close. We were sort of lulled into a false sense of optimism by some turnovers and some mistakes by Baltimore that let New England get back in the game. And yes, there was a chance for them to take the lead in this game. But in reality, this game really wasn't that close. And as you just heard, there's some different music on Melancholy in the Infinite Sadness installments of the SCO show. That is The Endless March of Sadness by Unheard Music Concepts. Not our usual disorganized fun that you hear on the everyday installments of the SCO show or the glorious victory installments of the SCO show. And you might wonder, when you're playing Smashing Pumpkins, aren't you going to at least play Smashing Pumpkins when you're referencing them with melancholy and the infinite sadness? And I used to be able to do that. I locked on Patriots, but got to play by the rules here under the Vox Media umbrella. So don't have the license in for it, can't exactly sneak it in. So that is, again, the endless march of sadness that you heard there by Unheard Music Concepts. The formats for Melancholy and the Infinite Sadness episodes are a bit different. Usually on a Glorious Victory show, we do the great, the good, and the bad. Hard to do the great, the good, and the bad when you lose. Usually you'll get game balls. No game balls when you lose. Instead, you get the good, the bad, and the ugly. And there's a lot in those last two categories. But first, your usual reminders. Please do follow along with the hijinks at Mark Schofield on Twitter. And check out the work of places like InsideThePylon.com, Pro Football Weekly, Matt Waldman's Rookie Scouting Portfolio, and yes, that trio of SB Nation websites, Big Blue View, Bleeding Green Nation, and right here at Pat's Pulpit. Also, the Melancholy and Infinite Sadness installments are usually sponsored, in a sense. Tonight's show is brought to you by Truly Hard Seltzer. Their blueberry and assi flavor. It's quite tasty, especially on a night like tonight. Let's talk the good. And the comeback. The comeback was good. This had the feeling of a game that might really get away from you quickly, right? You go down 7 nothing right away. 
They go down right the field, right down the field and score on you. What do you do on offense? Your first possession, three and out, you don't gain a yard. They go right down the field again. You force them to a field goal, but it's still 10 nothing. Then your next drive, you get one first down from a Sonny Michelle run, and then you have to punt again. Brady gets blitzed and sacked on a third and eight. You kick it back to them. They go right down the field and score, and it's 17 nothing. And it's second quarter, but it's not looking good. And some teams might have just folded it in them right then and there, but they didn't. They fought back into this game. And it was a game that, look, you're down 17-13 at the half. You have a chance to make it even a closer game than that. You could have made this a tie game at halftime if you had sort of rolled the dice. Patriots decided to take three points at the end of the first half because they had a chance to get the ball, go right down the field and score. And look, they were moving the ball. Their first possession, their eighth drive of the game, their first possession of the second half, they're down in the red zone. And you're thinking at this point, look, they're going to score and take the lead. I mean, we've seen this recipe play out time and time again. It just didn't go their way. You get the Edelman scoop and score. You go down the field and score again, but the defense gives up a long drive. We're going to talk about all that, and it gets away from you. But the initial comeback was good. As you can see, if that's what I'm leading with, we don't got a ton to talk about in the old good section of the show. The tempo on offense. When New England really went, and I don't know whether it was by necessity, given the fact you were down, I don't know if it was just we have to wear this defense out, but when they went to tempo, it worked. And... This was something that I talked about on a couple of different shows this week. The possibility of going tempo when I was on with some Raven shows that I did. And what you also sort of have to keep in mind is part of the reason it worked was New England really got a number of long drives in a row. After they force a fumble by Baltimore, their sixth possession of the game, they go down the field, they score. They force a quick three and out. They go down the field again. They get the third three points before halftime. Then they have another long drive. Edelman fumble. Then they have another long drive again. And Baltimore really doesn't have the ball much other than, you know, a quick sort of three possession, I mean, four play drive and then halftime. That's the only chance their defense rested. And so the Patriots' tempo was beneficial. I liked seeing that from them. Some individual plays that are worth highlighting. I mean, I, I could. I'm going to skip that, to be all honest, because it's not really worth highlighting a couple of individual efforts on a night like tonight when I think we have to sort of think big picture. They get a bye week here. And I can tell you right now, this is going to be a miserable bye week if you are a New England Patriots fan. So buckle up, kids. Because we are going to hear over the next two weeks that this team isn't good. When they finally played someone, they got punched in the mouth and they lost. They go on the road, they lose a road game to a good team. And now you saw that Stranger Things graphic in the second half of this game. You beat up on the you know, the Luke Fox, 
and the Daniel Joneses and the Colt McCoys of the world. Now you get Lamar, you get Wentz, you get Dak, you get Watson, you get Mahomes. 8-0 right now is going to look a lot like 8-5 or perhaps worse in the national media's eyes. So like I said, buckle up, friends, because it's going to be one fun bye week over the next two weeks. The week ahead and then the week after this one. But take some solace in this. This is the last sort of good thing I'll sort of mention here about tonight in terms of the big picture. Think about a bye week a year ago when this team went on the road to a team that wasn't very good, the Tennessee Titans. Got smacked in the mouth. It looked like Tom Brady couldn't throw the ball. It looked like this team couldn't do anything. It looked like this team couldn't stop anyone. And we know how that played out. They made the most of it. They fixed what they needed to fix. It was a long two weeks. But they came out of it, out of their bye, got some things right. Now, some things working against them. Look, Eagles get a bye too. So they'll be nice and rested. Maybe Deshaun Jackson will be healthy. Maybe Alshon Jeffrey will learn to catch again. Maybe their defense will be able to stop something. Who knows? But they've been in situations like this before, the New England Patriots. They were in this situation last year. Road loss that they looked ugly in, and it looked like they couldn't really compete. The difference is this was their best and toughest test to date, and they largely failed it. So now we'll truly get to see what they're made of. Last good thing I think we have to mention. Look, let's face it. Lamar Jackson is a special talent. Now, if you were on Twitter tonight, you might have seen me retweet a thread from 2017 when I was collecting resources that myself and other people put together on Lamar Jackson being a darn good quarterback. He showed it tonight. He's an incredible athlete. Is he a perfect quarterback? No. Is he a perfect pocket passer? No. Were there opportunities to make plays against him tonight? Yes. Is he special? He is indeed. Thankfully, Patriots might not have to see him again. Let somebody else deal with him. But that's it for the good up next. The bad and the ugly. A lot of stuff to talk about there. That's ahead on this melancholy and the infinite sadness installment of the Sco Show. This is advertiser content brought to you by Frito-Lay. Hello, I'm Chip Murphy, here to get you ready for the big tournament. Tonight we'll break down... We break down who will be cutting... Cut! What are you two doing? Sorry, Chip. Prez here got his feathers ruffled when I told him Ruffles has zero chance of winning the title. And I was letting Dip know that she is not taking into account Ruffles' iconic ridges. Guys, it's March. We have to start talking about the tournament. We are. It is the 2023 Frito-Lay Snack-It. We're talking about big-time matchups between Cheetos, Smart Food, Lay's, Sun Chips, and more. Just head to the Frito-Lay Snack Bracket and vote for your favorite chip, pretzel, or dip for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. This sounds great. Keep up the good work. 
Just go to frito No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends 4-3-2023. Void where prohibited. Here's worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Mark Schofield back with you now on episode 36 of The Scho Show, which, friends, is unfortunately a melancholy in the infinite sadness edition of The Scho Show. Always kind of stings to put these together, especially when this was a game that the Patriots had a chance to win. And even though I just got done saying that 17-point loss really wasn't that close, they had a chance, despite all of that, thanks to some fumbles and turnovers, to get themselves back into this game, to take the lead, and they didn't do it. We'll talk about how that happened in a few minutes. But I'm going to talk about the bad things now. Some big pitchers, some little pitcher stuff. The protection early in this game for Tom Brady was not great. The protection pretty much throughout this game for Tom Brady was not great. He was only sacked twice for a loss of 17 yards. But he was pressured throughout the night. And we saw another intentional grounding penalty. It was a discussion in the Scotia Slack channel during the game. It does seem like Brady gets flagged for a lot of these. And maybe, or some of them are at least worthy of being flagged for intentional ground. And this one, I thought that there was a potential defensive penalty more than anything else. But look, if you're going to last until play you know, 42 in the National Football League, maybe you take some intentional groundings along the way. So maybe that is more by design than anything else. But the protection wasn't great. Newhouse, it's an issue. He had a nice block on a James White or a Sony Michelle run to the left side that was highlighted in the Scotia Slack channel. But it's an issue. The protection is an issue. It was an issue tonight. Baltimore blitzes a ton. And we can be honest about the fact that when you go down 17 nothing early, yeah, New England, like Collinsworth mentioned, they'll stick to the run. They'll try to run the football. They'll try to get the ground game going still. But you become a bit more one-dimensional, perhaps, than you want to be. And when you go up against a team like Baltimore, the Blitzes, as much as they do, it plays into exactly where they want to be. And so you add the protection with the deficit and the Blitzen. It's a recipe for disaster. They were able to solidify the protection by going tempo, getting the ball out quickly, and gassing their defensive front. But the protection early was bad. The tight end position. This was a discussion of a, with much consternation in the Slack channel tonight. Watson had a couple of nice catches, but he missed on the seam route, and then Brady followed that up with an arm punt that, look, I could have thrown. No, let's, let's be honest. I couldn't get the ball out that far, but it wasn't good. But the tight end position right now is bad. Even with a couple of nice plays from Watson. Even with some nice blocking from Watson. And it's hard not to be frustrated about the tight end position when you think back, when you think back to where we were last spring on the previous version of the show, Locked on Patriots. Why? Because we spent, as a show host and listener base, so much time together talking about the tight end position, scouting the tight end position. And yes, we'll be doing a lot of that together, not just the tight end position, but other positions come, you know, wintertime. Hopefully later, not sooner. But this was a good tight end class. A lot of people really loved this tight end class. There were options all up and down the draft board 
And we were thinking they might even double dip. And this was before Gronk retired. And what did they do at the tight end position? They signed guys like Matt Lacoste. They brought in Benjamin Watson, Austin Safarian Jenkins. They threw a bunch of spaghetti at the wall. And right now, not much is sticking. And it's a bit frustrating. And it shows up the most in the red zone. If you can't run the ball, then at least get yourself a big target. And maybe Nikhil Harry can be that guy down in the red zone, but he's not there right now. And it's frustrating, and it's holding this offense back. Maybe Muhammad Sanu is going to become that guy. He had a red zone touchdown tonight. I thought he was one of the, I should have mentioned him in the good part of the show. I'll sneak him in there now because he played really well. When you look at the numbers, they only tell a part of the story. 10 receptions on 14 targets, 81 yards and a touchdown. It seems like most of his targets he turned into first downs. Incredible ability after the catch to spin or twist upfield and get additional yardage. Looked like a great acquisition tonight, but I don't know if he's going to be the guy that they truly need when they need him most, which is down in the red area right now. And if you think about the decision before halftime, when you were you know, fourth and goal at the foot line, maybe you... Go for it there because you're going to get the ball anyway. And they showed the numbers that said at that point in the game, at least by the analytics, you had a 29% chance to win when you were down 17-10. If you get stopped by going for it, it drops to 25. If you kick the field goal, it jumps to 33. If you get a touchdown, it jumps to 46. You almost bake it a 50-50 point at that by that decision if you go for it and get a touchdown and you get the ball to start the second half. I understand kicking it, but let's flip it. Harbaugh was aggressive tonight, went forward on a couple of fourth downs. They won the game. And I know it seems like hindsight is 20-20, but what probably factored into the decision for Belichick is they can't run the ball. Yeah, you might think they could sneak it with Brady, but Baltimore has seen Tom Brady do that over and over again. They'll stuff eight guys in the A-gaps and say, do something else. Right now, it doesn't seem like the Patriots can do anything else in those short-yarded situations. Similar to last year. And it brings us back to the idea of having or lacking that sort of tight end option right now. It doesn't seem like they have that sort of ball-winning type tight end. And yes, of course, dear listener, we were ridiculously spoiled by Robert Gronkowski. I get it. But they're missing that right now. Something else bad. Baltimore's seventh drive of the game. New England had more possessions in this game thanks to turnovers and a defensive score, which basically gives you an extra possession. But after the Edelman fumble, you go back right down the field and you score again. So 24-13 becomes 24-20. And again, you have gassed their defense. Now as a team, what you need to do is go out there and stop them. Or at least hold them to three. But Baltimore just went right down the field. And you had, look, you had a great throw by Lamar on that drive. You had an incredible run from Lamar on that drive. And then you get the breakdown on the touchdown where you have the crossers and they don't cover the tight end boil. And you just you let them extend the lead again. So instead of at least holding it to a one-score game by keeping them out of the end zone, it's now... Yeah, Tucker misses the extra point, but it doesn't matter. Because right then, you knew this game was probably over. I think most people were writing that down in their notes, just like I kind of wrote it down in mine. 
because it just felt like after everything that had happened, you had clawed back into this game. You had even overcome a horrific scoop and score fumble by your, one of your go-to guys. And you're still right there, down four. And your defense, which has been the heart of your team this year, just needs one stop. You can take the lead after everything has transpired over the past quarter and a half. And instead, they march right down the field, shove it down your throats, and it's back to a two-score game. That was it. That was the the true momentum swing of this game. Forget the start. Forget all the other stuff that happened. It was that drive. They needed that stop. They didn't get it. And they were rested. Because let's face it, if we're talking about how gassed the Baltimore defense was, these guys had been sitting there. They'd been spectators the entire second half to that point. So that was truly unfortunate. It, it along with everything else, is going to lead to the we crowned them before they were worthy of it discussion. We're going to hear play out again over the next 14 days. Like I said, buckle up. The field goal before the half, we kind of talked about that again. I get it. I get it from a failure or an inability or a lack of confidence in what you can do. Look, watching the game with my wife, she turned to me near the end of the game. She said, see, I I told you they should have gone for it before halftime. And hindsight is what it is. It looks like maybe you had a chance. Look, if it's 17-17 and you get the ball, who knows? But... That one stinks. The ugly stuff looked to start. Hard to start uglier than they did. And you heard Belichick say, look, part of it was coaching. You know, we had to coach better in the first quarter. Maybe they didn't trust what they were doing defensively. Look, you saw it early. The tight front. Some genius chucklehead in front of a microphone all week long was telling everybody that the tight front might be the way to sort of stop what Baltimore and Lamar Jackson want to do. When they have the football. And the Patriots came out running some tight. Running a lot of three-man fronts. And what happened? They got on top of Baltimore. They got on top of New England right away. So, maybe don't listen to that chucklehead when he starts to talk about defense. Maybe let him stick it in his lane and let him talk about offense more than anything else. I had a Twitter message from a brilliant football mind, Coach Vass. Um, you probably, if you don't follow him on Twitter, you should. He's at Coach Vass on Twitter. He hosts a great podcast about these high school football coach. Hosts a great podcast, Make Defense Great Again. You will learn a ton about defensive football if you follow him at Coach Vass on Twitter. And he sent me a message. They need to start running some more even fronts because this just ain't working. And that's when they sort of got back into the game a bit. That's when they started to get some stops. But the start was ugly. Maybe it was my fault. Edelman. I get it. I get fighting for additional yardage, but it's just an ugly, ugly play. And look, it's the difficulty of this sport is what sometimes makes people great will lead to moments like this. Take, for example, and we're getting to weeks ahead of ourselves in a sense, but take, for example, Carson Wentz. Part of what makes Carson Wentz Carson Wentz is the fact that he doesn't believe a play is dead until, forget the whistle, until the ref rips the ball out of his hands. And so he will fight. He will try to shake off defenders. He will fight for additional yardage. And it leads to some great moments. Led to some great moments against Seattle a couple years ago, Atlanta this year. But it's led to some mistakes. 
Led to a bad interception against Atlanta in the very same game earlier this year. So it led to some injuries. And so as you wonder about Carson Wentz and his career, and frankly his longevity, you wonder, do we try to rein him in a bit? Do we try to make him more conservative? Or do we just let him be who he is because that's what makes him great and accept that there are going to be mistakes along the way and things might end sooner than we'd like as a result? It's the same thing with Julian Edelman. You see him get on helicoptered on plays. You see him laying out on plays. You see him throwing blocks, doing all the little squirrel-like things that have made him who he is, as described tonight by Chris Collinsworth as one of the toughest receivers in the game. So he fights for additional yardage on a smokescreen, and it gets punched out of his hands. And if you try to rein him in, and tell him, don't do that, get down, then what does he become? Is he still the player that he is, and that he has become this great receiver for this offense? And so it's it's a disheartening play to see. You hate to see it. It's just one of those things that if this is the kind of player that he's going to be, if this is the style of play he's going to bring to the table, you might have to live with some of those moments. The Brady pick, that... It seems like every four or five games or so, he has one of those moments where he's like flashing back to 2007 when he was just like, ah, Randy's down there somewhere and I'm going to throw it deep. Only Randy Moss isn't down there. Sometimes it's Dorsett. Sometimes it's Edelman. This On this throw, it was Mohamed Sanu. But it seems like every once in a while, he's just kind of like having one of those flashback moments where he's like, ah, I'm basking in the glory days. I see Randy down there. Yeah, he's triple covered against the Dolphins, but I know he's going to come down with the ball. Well, those days he did, but it's 2019, and you can't throw that. Earl Thomas picks it, and he gets a big return on it as well, so it doesn't even get the benefit of the arm punt. So that was an ugly play. The penalties, you bailed him out how many times, including on the first drive of the game. Where, yeah, they were going right down the field on you, but it looks like you might hold them to three, and then Winovich jumps off sides, gives them new life, and, of course, they punch it into the end zone. A lot of penalties on the Patriots tonight. got to clean that up. You know, Belichick's going to make a lot of hay out of that, again, over the next 14 days. Man, it's going to be so much fun in and around New England. Can't wait. Bart Scott gif. The run defense. Now... It's you have to keep it in the context of what they were up against tonight. A tremendous talent at the quarterback position, number one. And an offense that does so many different things in terms of guards. And yeah, you know, they screw with the linebackers' keys, but sometimes you can still read it and say, Oh, no, if he's moving, I'm moving, I gotta crash and fill. But even when you do that, you could still be wrong with what Lamar Jackson does. Like on one of his runs late in the game where he wanted to follow Everything to the left, saw that everybody was flying on that side, and he just cuts it back. And even when you're right, you're wrong. But this run defense got ripped apart tonight. 41 carries, 210 yards, and three touchdown passes. Just ripped to shreds. And you can excuse some of it by the context of the scheme, the context of the personnel. They were doing a lot out of three tight end looks. You know, they got the guy that's basically a two-way player with a fullback, a defensive tackle. Yeah, so you're facing some heavier personnel, but you responded with heavy personnel. You had your base 3-4 in there at times. 
You had your four-man fronts in there at times. You couldn't stop it. And yeah, with the scheme and the context and the personnel and the talent, yeah, but sometimes, look, if you're going to be a championship team, you got to stop it at some point. And they couldn't. And so that's a problem. And you're going to face some good running backs over the next couple of weeks. You get, you know, you get Howard. And if you think that, you know, it's going to get easier, the Eagles, look, you look at their interior with Jason Kelsey and Brandon Brooks and what they can do on the ground. You look at how they've gotten Howard going over the past couple of weeks. And then you're going to get Ezekiel Elliott. You're going to get Deshaun Watson, what they can do. Like, yeah, it gets bad with the quarterbacks you're going to be playing, but it's going to get tougher with the run games you're going to face too. And so you got to clean that up. Take of the game. I don't know. Everybody for handing in there the way we did. The Scotia Slack channel was, again, hopping all night long. I wanted to say that, you know, we were going to have some great calls from, you know, Jessica Brand, David Archibald. Look, everybody in there tonight was fantastic. I can't really highlight one take of the game because, look, we lost. We don't give out awards and game balls and things like that when we lose. So, hate to say it, friends. No take of the game. Don't blame yourselves, though. Y'all did well. But we got to have some standards around here. So look, it's a loss. It's one loss in the grand scheme of things. The timing of it is brutal. The next two weeks are not going to be fun. I'm going to look at the numbers for this podcast and the rest of the podcasts I do over the next you know week and a half or so, and they're going to be bad because nobody's going to want to think about it. Everybody's going to be negative. The sky is going to be falling. But it shouldn't. Because in the grand scheme of things, look, it's one game. And it gives Bill Belichick all the incentive he needs to spend the next 10 days or so breaking this team down and then putting them back together. We saw it last year. Hopefully we see it again this year. But that will do it for today. I will be back probably Wednesday. It's going to be a bit of a lighter schedule this week because this is a bye week. Got to rest and recharge the batteries for the marathon sprint because let's be honest, friends. From post by, we go hard till the draft. That's how we did it over Locked On Patriots. That's how we're going to do it here at the Sco Show because whenever the season ends, whether it's in the playoffs after a Super Bowl, who knows? Then it's full on into draft mode. No days off. You know how I do the draft. If you don't know how I do the draft, you're going to learn. Because we go hard. And so it becomes a full sprint from here on out. And so we're going to recharge the batteries over the next 10 days or so. Because, look, I don't get to make any stops on third down. I don't get to run any routes on third down. So I don't need to get coached up. Well, you can't say that. I could always get better. But Belichick doesn't need to be yelling at me over the next 10 days. So I could take it off the gas pedal a bit. Go back full bore after the bye. But, friends, stay calm. Stay positive. And keep on blessing those Patriots reigns down in Foxborough.